Amen. Amen. Well, uh, church, I'm glad you're with us this morning. I'm going to ask right now if you would grab your Bibles. We're, we're in the book of Psalms. We're walking through these Psalms of Ascent, these songs that the people of God would, would uh, sing and, and, and pray as they would make their way back to God, make that journey back to Jerusalem during the major festivals. And uh, so we're going to be in Psalm 130 this morning if you're following along. I also want to let you know that, that we have digital sermon notes, really a digital bulletin for you. And I'm going to put a slide on the screen for you right now. And uh, if you'll just take a moment and go ahead and scan this, uh, scan this QR code, it'll, it'll pull up uh, our digital sermon notes. And uh, they're fill in the blank. Uh, there's opportunities for you to click on every scripture. Uh, it's all listed there. You can follow along and you can even add your own uh, notes. At the end, uh, when we're done, you can hit a button and you can email that to yourself. And then there's a little uh, button in the left-hand corner at the top of your page that says Interact. And that is how you see our bulletin and our announcements. Let me pray for us, church. Father God, thank you for loving us. Thank you for meeting with us right now. Lord, we pray by the power of your Holy Spirit that you would help us now worship through the reading and the studying of your word. God, we pray that Jesus would be lifted up in our midst, that we would see him clearly, and that we would want him more than anything else. Holy Spirit, we invite you to come and take your place as our teacher and our guide and, and help us be changed and transformed in the image of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and all of God's children said, Amen. Amen. Uh, well, guys, uh, I'm in Psalm 130, Psalm 130, just eight verses, and let's read the word of the Lord together. It says, Out of the depths I call to you, Lord. Lord, listen to my voice. Let your ears be attentive to my cry for help. Lord, if you kept an account of iniquities, Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness so that you may be revered. So I wait for the Lord. I wait and I put my hope in His Word. I wait for the Lord more than the watchman for the morning. More than the watchman for the morning. Israel, put your hope in the Lord for there is faithful love with the Lord. And with Him is redemption in abundance. And He will redeem Israel from all of its iniquities. So guys, I want to talk to you about this psalm, just these eight verses and what we can take away from it. There's three uh, lessons I, I think we should get. And here's the first, guys. I want you to understand that our guilt before God is great and must be confessed. Our guilt before God is great, and it must be confessed, alright? So listen, I'm, I'm going to do this, I'm going to put uh, four verses on the screen, just these, these first four verses, because I, I want to walk you through them, I want to explain them, them to you, and so here's the first two, I just want you to see them and focus on them, it says, listen, out of the depths I call to you, Lord, right? And he says, Lord, listen to my voice, let your ears be attentive to my cry for help, and so the word Lord is used twice here in two verses, it's actually used eight times in these eight verses, and, and I want you to notice that word depths there, and that word help, okay, and, and, and so, so look at me here, is, is, is listen, uh, this, is, this is a big deal, that word depths, that word depths is, um, is what I want you to focus on, it can mean one of two things, right, uh, first it means that it's a cry from a deep place, that it's a cry from a deep place, that, that it isn't uh, just some superficial uh, it's not just some superficial kind of thing, but this guy is saying, man, from the depths, God, I cry out to you. Lord, I, I want you, I, I need you to hear what, what I'm saying. And it's a cry, man, and it's a cry for, for help, right? And, and then in verse 3 and 4, we kind of we, we understand, well, what is he crying about? He says, Lord, if you kept an account of iniquities, well, who could stand before you? 
right? But, but with you is, is forgiveness so that you might be revered. And, and so here's what I want you to see, guys, is, is listen, uh, the guy that wrote this, the psalmist, he's crying out for help because he has a sin problem, right? He's crying out for help because he has realized that he has a, a sin problem. This psalm is all about sin. It's all about guilt. It's all about where to find forgiveness. That's what it is. And, and, and so listen, I, I just want to tell you this, because the same is true with us guys, is that we have to realize, right, that, that we have a sin problem too. And, and so it's not just about some kind of shallow version of, of, of sin. This, this isn't just about a feeling. In fact, this is more than a feeling. See, there's, there's, there's really a, a, a thing. We, we feel guilty, but that's not really what the psalmist is talking about. Most scholars believe what the psalmist is talking about here is what we would call real or theological guilt. See, the Bible speaks about this truth that, that it's way more than a feeling, that we are actually people that have sinned against a holy God, right? That's real guilt. Uh, the, the Apostle Paul puts it this way in Romans 3.19. He says, uh, listen, now we know that, that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are subject to the law, so that every mouth may be shut and the whole world may become subject to God's judgment. So the whole world be so, so. So listen, it says that, listen, now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are subject to the law so that every mouth will be shut. Well, why is every mouth shut? Well, every mouth is shut because we're all guilty before God, right? Because every single one of us is guilty before God. That's what the Bible would say. And so what I read to you was Romans 3.19. If you go on a few more verses, we find Romans 3.23 where Paul says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And so guys, we, we start here with this, this hard truth, and, and, and it's this, guys, it, we're guilty. We're guilty. It, it's not just that we feel bad. I need you, I need you to get this. Guilt, guilt isn't a feeling. It's not just that I feel bad. The, the biblical truth, and I'm not trying to burst your bubble, but the biblical truth is that we are bad. We are. We are sinners, and because of our sin, the Son of God had to come to earth and be nailed to a tree and die. Experience separation from God because of us, right? And so that's, that's the hard truth that the psalmist is saying. is he, he has realized that in the depths of who he is, he is a sinner. And so that has to be confessed before God. So that's the first thing. Guys, the second thing I want you to understand is this is that God has promised and proven that He will forgive us, right? God has promised and has proven that He will forgive us. So, listen, as much as this is a, a psalm uh, that is a, of confession, I mean, that's what He's saying, I cry out to you, Lord, who can stand before you because of their sin? As much as it's a psalm of confession, it is also a psalm of, of confidence, right? It's a psalm of confidence. I'm going to put those first two verses on the screen again. He says, out of the depths, I call to you, Lord. Lord, listen to my voice. Let your ears be attentive to my cry for help. I said that word depths, it means two things. And so this is where we understand the confidence that the psalmist has. Because the second thing that word depths means, it, it doesn't just mean that he's crying from a deep place, right? I, 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 mean, I mean, Jeremiah 29, uh, 13 says, says, when you called me with, with all of your heart, then you're going to find me, right? When you seek me with all of your heart, then you'll find me. So, so he, he's crying out with all of his heart, with all of his being from the depths. So that's certainly true. But more than just that, 
there's also a biblical reference to, to depths. And, and we find that in the book of Exodus. And so, uh, listen, this, this goes to the fact that God has promised and he has proven that he will forgive us. So here's one of those places that God has proven his forgiveness. I'm in Exodus chapter 15. I'm just going to read it to you. Uh, starting in verse 1, I want to read all the way through 13. It says, Then Moses and the Israelites sang this song to the Lord. Okay, so here's the deal. They have just been saved from the hands of Pharaoh, right? So they have just crossed through the Red Sea and all of its depths with walls of water on both sides. They have walked through on, on dry ground because the Lord heard their prayers. God, God delivered them. And so this is what's going on. So, he says, so this is the song. Uh, they, they said, I will sing to the Lord for he is highly exalted. He has thrown the horse and its rider into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my song. He's become my salvation. This is my God and I will praise Him. My Father's God and I will exalt Him. The Lord is a warrior. The Lord is His name. He threw Pharaoh's chariots and his army into the sea. The elite of his officers were drowned in the Red Sea. The floods covered them and they sank into the depths like a stone. Lord, your right hand is glorious in power. Lord, your right hand shattered the enemy. You overthrew the adversaries by your great majesty. You unleashed your burning wrath. It consumed them like stubble. The water heaped up and blast from your nostrils. The current stood firm like a dam. The watery depths congealed in the heart of the sea. The enemy said, I will pursue, I will overtake, I will divide the spoil. My desire will be gratified at their expense. I'll draw my sword and my hand will destroy them. But you blew with your breath and the sea covered them. They sank like lead in the mighty waters. Lord, who's like you among the gods? Who is like you, glorious in holiness, revered with praises, performing wonders? You stretched out your right hand and the earth swallowed them. With your faithful love, you will lead the people you have redeemed. You will guide them to your holy dwelling with your strength. And so here's what we see is that God has proven this, right? And so the psalmist is confident, he's confident that when he seeks the Lord, he'll be forgiven, that God will show up, that when the people cry out, that God will answer them, because that's what happened in the Exodus. The people cried out, God heard their cries, God answered them, and he delivered them. But, but it's not just that God has proven it. They also viewed it as a promise of God. And so, uh, again, that verse 2, the, the second half of that, it says, let your ears be attentive to my cry for help. Let your ears be attentive to my cry for help. Now, now, that's actually a quote from Solomon when the temple uh, is, is uh, dedicated. So Solomon says this, uh, it, he says, now my God, please let your eyes be open and your ears attentive to the prayers of this place, right? And your ears attentive. Now, that's the same phraseology that we just saw, right? Let your ears be attentive. And, and, and here's why. Because Solomon's prayer is, is really this great theological truth, this understanding that we believe in today. It's that when we pray, God answers. When we pray, God answers. It's believed, it's promised by God, okay? When my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, seek my face, pray and seek my face, then I will answer and I'll heal your land. So this is one of the great promises of Scripture, that we as children of God have access to the heart of God. And that when we pray to our Father, that He answers and He delivers us. And so the psalmist writes, listen, I know, I know with confidence, God, who could stand before you? You're holy, you're just. God, I'm vile. God, I'm a sinner. But I know in you is forgiveness. And that's why I come. 
And that's the kind of confidence that we have to have. Uh, in, in, in the New Testament, it says that we boldly approach the throne of grace. And friends, that's what we've got to do as well. So, so listen, we have to understand that our, our sin is great, our guilt is great, it needs to be confessed, but we also have to know that God has promised and proven that He will forgive us, which brings me to the third point, guys, is that God's forgiveness then replaces our regret with hope. God's forgiveness then replaces our regret with hope. And so I, I want to talk to you about this this morning. There are really uh, two types of guilt, okay? And so the first type of guilt is, is from God, right? The first type of, of guilt is, is from God, and, and it leads us to repentance, the Bible said, and, and, and then ultimately repeat, repentance leads us to forgiveness, and forgiveness helps us have hope for the future. Uh, forgiveness leads to freedom. Okay, so that's the first type of guilt. It is from God. Uh, when we sin, we, 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 we feel guilty, this guilt from God, and it leads us to God. We repent of our sins. When we repent, God forgives us, and we experience freedom, and we have a great hope for our future. Okay? But the second kind of guilt is a guilt that I would say is from this world. Right? I don't know a better way to put it. It's a guilt that is just from this world. And we know who the prince of this world is, right? Jesus says that the prince of the world is Satan. And so what does Satan do? He takes the guilt of God and he twists it and he turns it and he makes it something that I call shame, right? And so shame, its entire goal is to get us stuck in the past, right? So shame wants to get us stuck in the past. That's its goal. And so we've got two different... Types of guilt is, is well. So you have this feeling of guilt, um, but when you confess your sin to God, God forgives you and you experience freedom and you should have hope for your future. Now, if you've done that and you still can't get over it, then what you're dealing with is that worldly guilt, that guilt that is from Satan or the prince of this world. And, and, and so listen, I, I want you to understand this. That is not of God. So let's look at what Paul says here. 2 Corinthians 7.10, uh, Paul says this. He says, for godly grief produces a repentance that leads to salvation, now notice that phrase, without regret. Right? Godly grief produces a repentance that leads to salvation that is without regret, but, listen, worldly grief produces death. Worldly grief produces death. Now why does worldly grief produce death? Right? Because you get stuck on the sin of the past and you relive it every day and you just experience that same separation from God every single day because you can't move on because you're stuck. But he says, listen, that's not godly grief. Man, godly grief leads you to repentance. Repentance leads to forgiveness and forgiveness sets you free so that you can focus on the future, not the things of the past. Not the things of the past. And so what do we do when we begin to understand uh, these kind of things? What do we do? I think there's three things we can do. All right? And here is the first. Uh, guys, we have to start here. We, we, we have to be a people that confess our guilt before God. Right? We have to be a people that confess our, our guilt uh, before God. And so um, I, I'm, gonna, I'm not trying to burst anyone's bubble, but this is really, really important. And we use phraseology sometimes even in church where we say things like, well, I need to forgive myself, right? I just need to learn to forgive myself. When we say that, uh, we don't mean in any way that you have the power to forgive sin. What we mean is you've got to move on, right? That God, God forgives you. When God forgives you, you have to move on from those feelings of shame. You have to set your, your focus on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. And, and you have to look forward, okay? So you have to do those kind of things. You have to move on. Uh, but, but hear me clearly. Um, what we have to do, which is really important, is, is we have to move beyond feeling bad and we have to confess to God on a regular basis, we are bad, right? It's not just that I feel bad. God, I'm a sinner. 
right? And my sin is, 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 is primarily, God, against you. Listen to what David would cry out in Psalm 51.4. He says, against you and you alone have I sinned. And I've done this evil in your sight. Now, now David has, has committed adultery. David has killed a, a friend and a brother. David has, 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 has like slept with his wife, had him murdered. I mean, he's lied about it. He's covered it up. Everything that you could imagine. And David says, no, God, against you and you alone have I sinned. Now, why would David say that? Well, for the same reason that the psalmist does this, that he cries out to the Lord. The Lord's name is used eight times in eight verses. Why does he just cry out to the Lord? Because all sin is against God. All sin is against God. So what I'm saying to you guys is we have to move beyond this feeling of being sinful or or feeling guilty. And we have to begin to, to regularly confess the true dirtiness of our heart unto God. Okay? It's not just about feeling bad. It's about God without you. Uh, I, I am bad. That's who I am. I'm, I'm not a good person. And, and, and when we start there, that, that allows God to constantly and continually sweep over us with the forgiveness that He promises. And, and, and it's a big deal. And, and, and listen, it, it's going to ultimately set us free. First John 1 9, uh, John writes, Man, if we'll confess our sins... God is faithful and righteous to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, right? If we confess our sins, He's faithful and just and uh, righteous to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So that's the very first thing we have to do. We have to confess our sins before God. Second thing we have to do, guys, it's a big deal, is we have to have confidence in the forgiveness of God. We've got to have confidence in the forgiveness of God, all right? So listen, God forgives. That's what he does. God forgives. God is a forgiving God. That's what the psalmist is saying. He's saying, God, listen, I cry out to you from the depths of who I am because I've realized I'm not a good person. And so, God, I'm going to confess my sin to you. And he says, who, who, could, who could call out to you, right? Let's, let's just read this together one more time. He says, who could stand before you? Lord, Lord, if you kept an account of iniquity, who, who could stand before you? And the answer is, but God, but God, I can stand before you. I can come before you. Ready? Why? Because there is forgiveness with you, Lord, that you might be revered. He goes on and says, and, and with you, Lord, there is redemption in abundance. And so we have to have confidence in the forgiveness of God. And, and I guess what I'm saying to you um, probably is this. Like we have to... Uh, we have to get unstuck. And so many of you at home right now, listen, this resonates because um, you constantly live ashamed of what you've done. And, and for some of you, it's what you've done years ago, but some of you, it, it, it's, it's what you did yesterday. I mean, that's me, man. I, 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 I struggle with this to such an extent. I, I, I come before God, I say, God, I'm sorry, God, forgive me. But then the next day I get up and I just feel like the worst person on the face of the planet. And, and, and what happens is, listen, when you're, when you're stuck in the past, when you're stuck with regret, you're constantly looking back. And when you look back, you miss out on two really important things. You miss out on the goodness of God today and the hope of God for tomorrow, right? You remember Jeremiah 29, 29 11, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, right? That's, that's, that's now, and to give you hope and a future. See, hope, which is, which is what God replaces our regrets with. When we come before God and say, God, forgive me. God forgives us, and once we're forgiven, we're set free. We don't have to focus. Uh, we're not stuck uh, in, in our shame, we're not stuck in the past, but hope lets us look to the future. And, and when we experience that hope, 
Man, it is, it is life-changing. I just want to say to you, listen, some of you, what you're experiencing today, you, you think it's the guilt of God, but it is not. Because the guilt of God need, leaves no place for regret. The guilt of God uh, leads us to repentance. And once we say, God, forgive us, God forgives us, He steps in and He replaces all that regret, all of that shame, right? He replaces it with hope for a future. And so if you are here and you're hearing my voice and you're still stuck on something in the past, and listen, what you may not, what you may not realize is what you're stuck on is not the guilt of God, but it's the guilt of this world. It, it, it's Satan, the, the prince of this world, has taken the guilt of God and he has twisted it into the shackles of shame. And what I'm telling you is that Jesus came to set the captives free. And so if you'll come before him, if you'll confess your sin to him, you can have confidence and you can, you can do... Listen, if there's anybody that did this well, I think it was the Apostle Paul, right? So the Apostle probably, Paul probably got this better than anybody else in all of the world. And, and this is what he writes in Philippians 3, 13 and 14. He says, brothers and sisters, I, I don't consider myself to have taken hold of this yet. That means he still struggles with this some. But he says, but here's one thing that I do, Right? Forgetting what is behind and reaching forward to what is ahead, I pursue as, as my goal the prize promised by God's heavenly call in Christ Jesus. And friends, what I'm telling you is we have to get there. We have to become a people that, like Paul, can forget the terrible things that we did a long time ago, but also the mistakes that we made uh, 10 minutes ago, uh, a day ago, where we trust in the forgiveness of God. So I just want to ask you this question this morning. Do you trust in the forgiveness of God? Is, is Christ enough for you, right? That's, that's ultimately what it comes down to. Do you trust in the forgiveness of God? Is Jesus enough for you? Because if he's not, I don't know how to help you, friend. Jesus came and lived the perfect life that we could, and he died on the cross so that we could be set free. Not just, not just that we would be set free of the penalty of our sin, but that we would literally be set free by the power of sin and shame. That we could live free, Right? Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Third thing, third thing, last thing. We have to live looking forward to God's ultimate redemption. We have to live looking forward to God's ultimate redemption. And so, uh, guys, listen. Shame, shackles, makes us look bad, right? Regret is, is, is living a life looking back. That's, that's regret. But when we confess our sin to God... Right? God's guilt, it, it leads us to repentance. Repentance leads to forgiveness. And forgiveness births hope in which we begin to look forward. We enjoy today and we have great hope for tomorrow. And, and what is our hope in? Well, the psalmist says, I put my hope in His Word. Can I share with you some promises of God? You know that God promises that He will bring about to completion the work that He started in you. Do you know that? That's, that's a promise of God. He is going to bring about to completion the work that He began in you. This is what He's going to do. You know the promise of God's Word? It says that if anyone confesses his sin, that God forgives him and purifies him of all unrighteousness. That's the promise of God's Word, that one day that we won't have to deal with sin and shame and suffering. It's coming. And God wants you to have hope in that day. And when you have hope in that day, you experience freedom in today. And that is God's goal for our life, church. And so I want to do this. I want to pray for us this morning. And then I've got a couple quick announcements and I'm going to let you go. Father God, thank you for loving us. Thank you for your word, which is true. I want to pray for my brothers and sisters right now. I want to pray for myself right now, God. This is one of those things we struggle with. We struggle with your forgiveness. And, and it's so hard to, to understand why. Because God, your forgiveness is so sweet. 
And so God, let us experience that forgiveness. Let us live in that forgiveness. God, let us experience that forgiveness and let us have confidence in the power of that forgiveness that we don't have to look back and live in the shackles of shame, but we can experience the forgiveness, the freedom of Christ today, and we can have hope for tomorrow. In Jesus' name, let us experience that this week. Amen.